Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey, welcome everyone to this episode of the Space for Magic podcast. Now, I know that we have some listeners that have been waiting for the guest I have for you today. I have Dina Pacwa with me, and Dina is a shamanic practitioner, but if you've heard me talk about, um, I used to call her my shaman. She actually corrected me, and we'll talk a little bit about what, why that is, why she goes by a different term than what I was using and why I got it wrong. Or sometimes I refer to Dina as my energy healer or my healer. When you've heard me reference that person, it's Dina. So I'm so excited to have her on the podcast. Dina's so many things. Among other things, she teaches at Westcon, our local university. She runs uh, workshops. She runs healing circles. And um, we're going to get into more about what she does. I asked her to join us because I think we're in such an interesting part of this planet's evolution. And she's over the years, she has always helped me to see it through the eyes of love and clarity in a way that sometimes I can't always get to. So Dina, welcome. Thank you, Patty. Oh, this is so much fun. I'm so glad to be here with you and to share this experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you guys listening, I am doing the receiving school right now. You're running it. And so I see Dina every week. That was a new commitment I made to myself to help support me. And Dina, you've helped me before, especially after the death of my parents, going through so many different things. But why don't you tell, let's start with explaining the difference. I want to just jump into this, explaining the difference between you know, what it means to be a shaman and what it means to be a shamanic practitioner. Because I think that's an important differentiation. And it was one that as for as long as I knew you, I wasn't even referring to properly. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Patty. And that's, you know, a common issue in my field, I guess. And it's been spoken about and written about a lot. And there's a lot of different opinions, as you can imagine. But here's, here's where I come from with it. So from my perspective, uh, being a Westerner, being an American uh, of, you know, all different ancestry, the term shaman actually comes from a particular tribal region in Siberia, the Evenki tribal region. And it's a title for a very specific type of medicine person or healer within that tribe. And it basically refers to male practitioners, believe it or not who are chosen by their ancestors at a very young age, usually. And the person goes through great trials, could be uh, a serious illness or an accident or even a mental illness. And they struggle and suffer quite a bit. And it's only through a spiritual intervention that they're healed. So it's not like your regular everyday medicines that that help the person. They actually have to go through like this spiritual crisis. And then there might be an elder shaman within the tribe that sees what's happening and supports them and helps them. But they're really, you know, it's, it's a very spiritual 
choice by the spirits that choose this person. And the way that they do their healing is very culturally specific. So they have culturally specific rituals, ceremonies, practices, and ways of doing their healing that's particular to that tribe. Now, over the years, various anthropologists who have gone to study uh, with them in that region just took that title and decided to apply it to any traditional medicine person or even people who study traditional healing ways from indigenous cultures. And that's really not accurate. It's another example of cultural appropriation and really colonial entitlement in our culture where we just think we can take things without permission. So permission was never given to take that title and just use it in this generalized way. So as a shamanic practitioner, you know, I've studied some of the traditional uh, ways of healing from these traditions. And I've also had teachers from South America, from the Andes, and from North America, and Tibet. So, you know, people would call all of that shamanism. And it's really not. There's a lot of different practices that go within uh, the realms of healing that I've studied and many others have studied. So it could be anything from working with plants and stones and connecting with nature to connecting with different types of spirit guides and angels. But the shamanic part that comes from that area in Siberia is when you go into the spirit world, work directly with the spirits. But the way that it's done in that tribe is very culturally specific. But what's been adapted from them is this way of meditating and journeying, basically the shamanic journey practice, where you can learn to connect with different spirit guides and go into the spirit world and do the healing in the spirit world. So there are techniques that you know various anthropologists have learned over the years that they've been able to teach to most people, but it's a far cry from being an actual shaman from those tribes where you're learning from a young age very specific rituals and ceremonies and ways of working with nature and making offerings. So that's why, you know, I lean far away from calling myself that title, but it's become, you know, very popularized through anthropologists, through different teachers, and I try to really honor and respect those traditions because I really do love them so much and I feel like what we're what's been shared with us in contemporary culture we really need to respect it and treat it as sacred. Okay, so that that's such good background because I have, you know, I've done that unconsciously called you a shaman referred to shamans and did it from, you know, that unconscious place and I think we're we're suffering from that a lot in this country is this unconscious approach to a lot of aspects of what we do and you know I'm just I'm just wondering if you have thoughts on you know we're at this place in this this world evolution right this country's evolution this world's evolution and there's certainly crisis and then there's also this evolution that's happening. And I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on how much of its crisis as a result of this colonialism, patriarchy, everything that we know is 
one-sided versus this respect for the earth, for nature, for indigenous cultures, for all of it. I'm going to stop talking because I think I'm hoping you found something in there to to reply to. <laughs> yeah, I think I can I can work with this. Okay. Um, <laughs> certainly, I'm not you know an expert in this area, but I have certainly heard you know from my teachers over the years and different uh, indigenous cultures, elders, and they all are really kind of saying the same thing. Unless I'm just really you know just listening to the same messages over and over again. But here's what I've what I've heard, and I really do believe myself. So here in the U.S. and the West, our foundation is kind of shaky, right? We're, we have a shaky foundation in this culture of slavery and the treatment of the First Nations people, the Native American tribes, right, when the Europeans came here. So not really a good start. And then you also have the patriarchy, which has really been a global thing um, and how, you know, women are treated, people of color, racism. That's, you know, of course, a big problem here in the U.S., but also worldwide. Right. So it's not just us here. So what I've been hearing and what I also feel, too, is that we're really kind of in this time. So this crisis that we're in is really a time of reckoning. So it's really a time of facing our past, right, and really owning up to it, making amends, reparations, whatever is, you know, the most appropriate and suitable way to deal with these things. And I certainly, you know, again, I'm not an expert on and all of that. There's a lot of thought and a lot of planning that would need to go into ways of dealing with all that, how we've treated the earth, like you mentioned. So since industrialization, there's been a huge decline in how we respect the environment and all the things that we dump into the water and the land and how we treat the crops and the animals that we eat. So all these things that our ancestors really knew how to see that our ancestors and all of these traditional cultures, the indigenous cultures that are still around that haven't lost these ways they really all kind of did the same things. They had to, to survive. So they lived a more spiritual way of life. They lived in harmony with nature. They worked along with the cycles and seasons. They weren't dumping chemicals into the earth. They were respecting the earth because they knew their very lives depended on it. So, you know, what I'm hearing from my teachers is this calling of you know, looking at our shadow, both individually and within our culture, and then also coming to a place of working together for the earth and for each other. So it's really about becoming, going back to a more heart-centered and compassionate and spiritual way of life and living in sacred connection with the earth and with nature and with the cycles and seasons, and then learning how to you know, treat each other with more equality. Some of my teachers up in the Andes, they have one of their most powerful teachings and one of their most important teachings is known as Aini, A-Y-N-I. It kind of sounds a little like Haini, but it's not. <laughs> um, but what it is, is sacred reciprocity. So it's how they live in everyday life. It's how they treat nature and work with Mother Earth in a sacred partnership. So they're not just taking from the earth. They're also giving back and living harmoniously. It's how they treat each other. They have very strong moral codes for their society. So 
you know, they expect that everyone treats each other with respect and kindness and you help your neighbor and then someone else will help you when you need it. So it's like this, this community, it's, I don't even think they have in their language a word for I, the individual, it's we. So, you know, we've, we have become, you know, this individualized society where it's all about the individual and me, 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 right? And we've really glorified greed and, you know, worship celebrities and material things. And we've fallen away from, you know, the traditional ways of our ancestors. So this crisis, crises that we're experiencing, I believe, is to guide us back to some of these more sustainable ways of our ancestors. Mm. That's beautiful. So, you know, I'm sure people are listening to you and thinking like, oh, she's different than us. And I've explained this to people like how not different you are. Like, you know, <laughs> you and I are actually very similar in the kind of like our, just the way we like are, you know, right. personality wise and stuff. But maybe you could talk about the journey that brought you here because you weren't always doing this work, right? No, I mean, it's definitely not a conventional path in Western society, for sure. And it wasn't a part of my family history, you know, recent history, that's for sure. I mean, my dad was a a chef and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And she also worked, you know, at the same company as my dad in in the marketing department. So it was, you know, and I was an art director and graphic designer for many years in corporate America. So yeah, I, you know, I used to be normal, <laughs> not really, uh-huh. but uh, yeah. So what got me to what I'm doing now, uh, it was really probably similar to a lot of people that you work with and talk to, you know, our own healing journey. So my healing journey uh, really sort of uh, amplified my senior year in college. I found out I had cancer. So that's always like a, you know, a shock and a wake up call. And it really freaked me out, you know, to be 21 years old and worrying if you're going to die. And I was always an anxious kid, and that just really amplified my anxiety. And I developed this form of OCD. And it was the time when AIDS and HIV were just, you know, sort of coming out. And, you know, it wasn't known right away how exactly you might get it. And I was going to get tested all the time. I was convinced I was going to die. And I just could not stop, even though, you know, I had good results and everything. And I still couldn't relax about it. So it became like this OCD. And I went to psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists, and I just could not stop. So I have great compassion for people with any kind of, you know, mental health issues. It really was like being in a mental prison. And finally, I started exploring alternative or complementary medicine, everything from nutrition to chiropractic to yoga to meditation to affirmations. You know, this was back, I don't know, 25 plus years ago. So there was like only one shelf in the bookstore when we went to bookstores of, you know, this kind of thing. But it, it really spurred me because I was starting to feel better with some of the things that I was learning about. And so that really laid a foundation for me of holistic or integrative uh, medicine practices really being the way to go 
you know, when we need healing, that it's often not a one shot deal or one thing that might help someone feel better. You might have to put together like a whole program of integrative approaches. So I had that foundation. I was also very open spiritually. I took a class in world religions in college, and that kind of opened me up to other spiritual paths. And I was like, you know, they're all kind of saying the same thing. So that, you know, sort of opened that doorway. And I was very sensitive to spirits and energy from when I was a small child, but didn't really have, you know, my parents didn't really understand what that was about. So I didn't really have any kind of support in that area. So I kind of just put it on the back burner as much as I could. But I was open to angels. I prayed a lot because of struggling, you know, with the OCD. And I I had some pretty profound experiences. So that was like the foundation. And then I was in the corporate world at that time as a graphic designer. I enjoyed my work, you know, the creative part of it. I did not enjoy some of the other elements of being in the corporate world. (laughs) But I also knew I was not on the right path. There was something really deep inside me that knew that I was supposed to be of service. And I always felt that I was supposed to be a teacher. But I didn't really, you know, I'd taken some classes to get towards a master's in teaching, but I never finished it. And then when I was 30 years old, I was in a near fatal car accident. So this was like the really big catalyst and where I learned some of the most profound lessons about surrender, which I think is a great tool, you know, in times when we really have no control and there's so much chaos going on around us. So I was, you know, 30 years old and I was driving home from the movies And I was following my ex-husband because we took separate cars after work. And it was literally one of those things. I was five minutes from home. It was, you know, dark. And somebody hit me head on and the impact speed was uh, 85 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah. So the whole front end of my car came in. I shattered both my femurs, broke my rib cage, collapsed both lungs, lacerated my liver you know, multiple soft tissue injuries. I had a really bad whiplash, you know, a bunch of things, cuts and, you know, all kinds of fun things. And I stopped breathing because, you know, you collapse both your lungs, doesn't really give you an opportunity to breathe. So I was sitting there and I'm trying to breathe, nothing's happening. And I'm like, okay, I'm on a back road. I don't think EMTs are going to get to me for a while. And sure enough, it took them like 25, 30 minutes to get to me. I said, okay. And I really didn't have any kind of like medical background at the time, but I thought, I don't think you can live very long if you can't breathe. (sighs) All this is going through my head. And I thought, well, do I want to die? I literally could have closed my eyes and gone. It would have been so easy. And I thought, well, I'm an only child. Parents won't survive that. My former husband, he, you know, we were still married at the time and he had lost his best friend the year before to cancer. I was like, he's not going to be able to deal with losing both of us. And I thought, I haven't done what I came to this planet to do. I just knew that. So I said, all right, God, you got to help me because I can't do this on my own. And as soon as I said that prayer, something happened and I was able to breathe enough to survive. And I've worked with enough doctors and enough nurses since then that, you know, I've said that pretty much doesn't happen when you collapse your lungs and break your rib cage. Like it just doesn't happen. Wow. 
so I felt this divine intervention literally, and I was held in this state of what I call divine grace because it was this state of pure, unconditional love where I felt like this warmth and support, and I knew I was going to be okay no matter what happened. And I just held on to that. And, you know, I had to go to the hospital, of course, and I went through many hours of surgery, days in ICU. I was on a ventilator. I was given a 50-50 chance of survival. I needed three surgeries to put my legs back together. The doctor said, well, we don't know if you're going to walk again. And I walked within six weeks. I was back to work in three and a half months. And I knew that it was going to take a lot to heal from that. So I literally put together like a whole holistic health program for myself to recover because I needed more than physical therapy and I wouldn't take any pain medication. So <laughs> so I was doing a lot of the things that I learned about. And I also realized that I was meant to help others. And so five years later, I got my my license to practice massage. I went to school for massage therapy. I studied Reiki, had miraculous results with that. So I started off with those things and then continued to study energy medicine because I really found that to be the most gentle and the most profound. And so, you know, a year after that, something told me when I was at work, you know, I just got a message that I needed to work with a shaman, had no idea what one was back then. And a month later, one was on the doorstep of where I was working. So I worked with him for about a year. And then I started meeting different indigenous people, indigenous healers, traditional healers. They all have different names in each of their tribes. So that's, you know, they have particular names for their healers. So I started meeting teachers from the Andes, from here, you know, in North America, First Nations people, Tibet. And I found that they really believe the same things I do. And obviously, I'd been practicing them a lot longer, which is, that mind-body-spirit connection, that the spiritual aspect of healing is really the foundation, and that you know working with energy can really free people up to heal themselves. So that's that's how I got into this. So I've been you know practicing now over twenty years, and you know pretty much right away I'd say you know early on I started teaching Reiki as soon as I you know was trained to do that. And I've just been teaching ever since. And then, you know, about seven or eight years ago, I was invited to teach uh, as part of the adjunct faculty at Western Connecticut here in Danbury. So that has been one of the greatest joys of my life. And one of my uh, colleagues who uh, read my natal chart in astrology said that my destiny was to be the humble teacher of great heroes. Mm, that's beautiful. So that's, I know what, my, what I'm here on this planet to do. And I live it with every cell in my body every day to the best of my ability. So I have a couple of questions. First is, do you think the accident was something you chose as a soul before you came here? Was it a gift that the spirit world decided you needed? Or was it something that happened without spiritual motivation that then you made a spiritual choice from? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've thought about it many different ways. And being here, you know, in our human form, it's some sometimes hard to really know for sure, right? Like what was what was going on there? I definitely feel like it was divine intervention in some way. I I never felt there was only a brief amount of time that I really felt victimized by it because I mean someone did hit me. So there was a process there, but it really didn't last long. I really felt like what I got out of it was such profound healing, wisdom, knowledge, a gift. So I feel like on some level, my soul chose some aspects of it. But I also kind of joke around that, you know, I was obviously off my path. And I felt like my guides and the spirits were like, you know what, she's not listening to us. We've got to wake her ass up. So, <laughs> so I feel like there was probably some part of me that you know, said, okay, if I don't wake up by this time, you guys got to, you know, really hit me hard. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I really am a big believer in astrology. And when you have your natal chart read, it's like, is there free will? Because, oh, my God, this is really specific. Part of my life's lesson was to learn through pain. So I don't know, you know, I must have been real cocky over on the other side, <laughs> taking that out. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that 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 accident, you know, where I smashed my my legs into a bunch of different. Yeah, I'll take that. So <laughs> I'm not really sure, but I really feel like there was some element of choice and some elements of destiny with it because it was so. I mean, I really just transformed into a completely different person from that experience, and I really feel like it's been such a a profound gift in my life in so many ways. And I've been able to and utilize it to help others. And I always felt like if, if any bit of what I went through helps one person, then it's totally worth it. You know, I feel like, you know, I could be imagining things, but I do feel like it, it has given inspiration to others over the years. And someday I'll get my book finished. It's, you know, been in the works for years, as I'm sure you hear from many people you know, now there's more to add to it. So there you go. <laughs> year of COVID. Right, right. Okay. So the other question I have, so many things. First of all, I I know how, like just me personally, how much you've affected my life and then the ripple effects of me sharing those lessons with, with my audience and then all the other people I know that have worked with you. I just know just my own personal contact, how much of a difference you've made on this planet. So I can affirm that that you're nailing it, Dina. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you. I mean, most days it doesn't feel like that, but occasionally I hear things like this. So I'm grateful. Trust me, grateful. So you said there was a shaman on the doorstep of your business. And I, before you answer, I just got to say, I know my audience. So I know like, I know all of you out there that are like, yeah, well, she got a shaman on her doorstep. How do I get one of those? So talk about what that, that was. So, you know, it was just a day at work and I just felt like, you know, I was continuing to work on my own self-healing process. I was practicing as a massage therapist and incorporating Reiki and some other tools that I had learned. And I just felt like, you know, there was another step in my own healing that I was ready for. And it just popped into my head, you know, just like inspiration, intuition. And I was like, wow, okay. So I just kind of said to the universe, because I certainly didn't know any shamans back then if this is something you want me to do, if this is something that would be helpful, please show me, you know, give me a sign or, you know, whatever. And I just kind of 
I wasn't really attached to it. So that helped me to just kind of let it go. And I think that just opened the door for it to, you know, come across my path. Like, was the shaman literally like sitting there or is it more like? (laughs) He showed up to do some, he wanted to do some work. I was working in a healing center with a bunch of other practitioners and he was the guy that was from this area. Uh, he's moved away since then, but he was from this area and had studied for already like 15 or 20 years with medicine people from uh, the Amazon who are more shamanistic, shamanic, and from the Andes. And uh, he just showed up at the doorstep of the healing center and you know asked if he could start doing sessions and do some work there. And then I was attending a class on intuition and psychic ability with another teacher there and and the shaman and his girlfriend ended up coming to the class and I ended up having some kind of uh, energy blockage that everybody could see which was freaking me out and he said hey I could help you with that and I said okay and that was pretty much it <laughs> okay so you brought up something really I that's I think very alive for people at least that listen to this podcast which is you asked for a sign and can you say just a few, give give the listeners like a few ways that they can ask for signs or how you, like, you know, I talk about this all the time, but how do you ask for signs or how do you work with spirit guides or how are you working with the other side of the veil right now? Like in a day-to-day way that you think, you know, anyone could could use right now without much study. Okay, so one of my favorite things to do, and I feel like this is very important, and it ties back into the teachings that I learned from my teachers in the Andes about reciprocity, and it's giving something before you ask for something. So if I'm feeling, well, hopefully I'm not doing it just to get something back, but it's making offerings on a regular basis, and people might be like, well, what's that? So here's what you can do. It's thinking of like, what's, what are the things that I love? Uh, like your favorite foods, favorite herbs that you cook with, bird seed if you feed birds, flower petals, like anything lovely, beautiful. You know, if you love to drink wine, Mother Earth loves red wine. You know, you have to watch out for chocolate if you have dogs, but like thinking of something that you can give. Now, you might think, well, the earth doesn't really need that, but it's like you're giving it in honor of all of your guides, angels, ancestors, and the earth, and it's a it's a gesture of thanks and love for everything that you've already been given. And you, if you can do that on a regular basis, it's wonderful, and that alone will transform lives. So if I'm going to go and ask for something, I try to give something first. Like I just know this audience. So what does on a regular basis mean? Are we talking daily? Are we talking weekly, monthly? (laughs) Right. Well, daily would be wonderful. Weekly, totally fine. You know, I would say weekly. If you could shoot for weekly, it would be great. And even do it with kids. You know, kids really uh, respond well to these practices. And then, you know, I kind of ask for guidance in different ways. I could be driving in my car, you know, down to work and ask, say a prayer and ask for my guides and angels to be with me, to speak or teach through me for my students' highest good and highest healing. You know, if I'm asking for guidance for the day, I could say, give me, I try to remember to ask for clear and specific signs that I won't miss. Now that could come through, I've gotten signs and I'm sure you have too, through many different ways, through nature, 
So watching birds, watching clouds, watching, you know, what's going on around you, uh, songs on the radio, license plate numbers, um, signs, bumper stickers. You know, at one point I was really wondering if I should go on a vegan diet. And I know that it's really good for my constitution to eat a vegan diet, though I'm very rarely that disciplined. But I was going through a health issue and I kind of just asked the guides and I said, you know, would it be a good thing for me to eat a vegan diet for a while? So I was going out, I got into my car and I'm driving, you know, down the road from my house, not that far, right in front of me pulls a car, go vegan. (laughs) So we just have to pay attention. So ask for the signs. You can also give them a time limit believe it or not. So like within the next 24 hours or within the next three days, otherwise you could ask for a sign. And in the spirit world, there's no time or space. They could give it to you 10 years later and you're not even going to remember that you asked for it. So I try to give, you know, like, all right, guys, you know, human time here, you know, next 24 hours, next few days, give it a short time frame, and then pay attention to everything that's going. It could be something that your partner says to you. It's like just the right thing. Or somebody recommends a book or you open a book that you have and all of a sudden the answer's there or it shows up, you know, on Facebook or whatever. So it's just paying attention. So asking, give it give it a time frame and then pay attention, right? Mm-hmm. And then also giving something back. And I think there's something that you didn't mention, but I know that it's such a natural thing for you. You're you're not thinking about it. So I'm going to prompt you. Sure. You also need to have a foundation of trust that it's going to arrive. Yes. Yeah. And then also, you know, at times it doesn't arrive, even when we do have that trust and faith. And then just knowing that the universe has our back, right? And when you've built up that trust, now that, you know, can take some time. I mean, I was raised Catholic, so I did have a foundation of faith behind me, which I really have felt has been helpful. And I've had experiences where, you know, things have been so profound from the spirit world that I know that they're there. So, yeah, you have to build that trust and that can take time. So, you know, just keep practicing just like anything else. It really is practicing practicing paying attention, practicing asking, and then allowing, well, you're teaching, you know, the receiving school. So I would imagine some of it is allowing help to come and allowing yourself to receive this Mm -hmm. guidance and these messages and that you deserve to have that support. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the deserving and, and then, yeah. So much. Oh, so much. So what kind of offerings? I know if people are listening, first of all, I already know there's people in my community who keep asking me for your information. So I'm so excited to be able to share this with them and give them like just an intro to you this way. But what um what kind of offerings do you have now that people can utilize that aren't as lucky as I am where I can come to you in person? Right. Well, thank you. So I do offer distance healing sessions. So those are available on my website under services. I do different types of readings, uh, intuitive readings, really. And they also incorporate some teaching. So everything that I offer incorporates teaching because I really like to empower 
folks. So whenever you leave me from, you know, having some kind of session, there's always homework. (laughs) There is. And tools for you to continue, you know, working towards whatever goal or intention that you have for, you know, the session. So I do healing sessions, I do readings, uh, I offer flower essence consultations, though I also always incorporate those into other sessions. I have a couple of classes coming up. I have a healing circle for the winter solstice, which will be on Zoom. And I also have a four-part series in shamanic healing for self-healing. So that's coming up starting in January, and that'll be good. It's for any level of experience or no experience at all. Incorporating some of these uh, teachings from indigenous cultures, contemporary shamanism, and energy healing for health and vitality, for wellness, for dealing with our, you know, emotional energy, toxic thoughts, all those things, like how to transform them and how to get help from the spirit world for all of this, all these various crises we've been dealing with. Oh, we need that. All right. So, um, I'm going to put the link to your website in the show notes, but for if you're listening and you're dying together, it's embodythesacred.net. And again, that'll the link will be in the show notes. So um, is there any last thoughts you want to leave people with anywhere on social media you want them to follow you? What do you want them to take away? Well, I just hope that, you know, something that I shared here was inspirational and helpful and that, you know, if folks have been on their spiritual path and they've gone through challenges and traumas that, you know, you know, you're not alone and that pain can be a teacher sometimes and joy can be a teacher. So both of them. And then also just about returning to those healing ways of our ancestors and just maybe look into some of the ways that your ancestors, you know, did their healing because I'm sure there's wisdom there. Um, So, yeah, so those are the things that I hope for. I'm easy to find on, I have a Facebook page for embody the sacred and I'm on Instagram under Dina Paqua. So I'm, I'm out there. You can find me. (laughs) It's in all the places. And I can tell you if you're listening and you're thinking, can Dina help you? I can promise you I've referred a lot of people. It is a powerful energy experience. There's, I, I can say my experiences with you, Dina, have run the gamut of messages, of learning, of getting my shit together, of you know, um, for the spiritual kick in the ass. And then for those of you listening, if you've heard the story of, you know, right after I found out that there was a fracture in my spine going to see my healer, this is Dina. This is the one who was working with her guides. Um, so all those experiences have all been with this wonderful woman. So thank you so much, Dina, for being here. Thank you, Patty. I mean, it was such an honor to, to, be asked to be on your podcast and to share with your listeners. Oh, well, thank you. All right. Well, hey, go back out there. Keep healing the crazies like me because we need it. And um, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you, Patty. And thank you, everybody who has been listening. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. 
It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.